0: Archie. All right? Archie and the Riverdale gang were a pure and fun-loving bunch. You can't find dysfunction in those comics. They were just flat-out wholesome.
1: Archie and Jughead were lovers. Shut the fuck up! It's true. Archie was the bitch and Jughead was the butch. That's why Jughead wears that frown looking hat all the time. Be the king of Queen Archie's world. Oh,
2: yeah, well, yeah, he does have a point. I mean, Archie never did quite settle on Betty or
1: Veronica.
0: Because he wanted them both at the same time, you assholes. He didn't choose one because he was trying to get them both into a three way.
1: Yeah. What? I want you to go down to the corner store and buy yourself second clue. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Vox Populorum, the Vox podcast. I am Christopher Maverick. As always,
3: I am here with
1: Wayne Wise.
3: As always, except for that one time. Oh, that one time. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Yeah. always, mostly. So, Wayne, when we decided to do this show, when we were talking about it, one of the first things we said we wanted to do is one day we're going to do a show about the TV show Riverdale because it is the best show on television. (laughs) Yep.
3: Yeah, I, I, I've I been a fan of Archie comics. I, I was as a kid. And then like everybody else my age, I went like 40 years without paying any attention to it and came back to it a few years ago and realized it's kind of genius. And And I watched Riverdale because well, it's, it's an Archie thing. Let's see what they do with this and how bad they mess it up. And no one is more surprised than I am at how much I love this show.
1: Yeah, this show is really sort of about Riverdale. It's about those kinds of shows in general and sort of how... Archie sort of affected it and why does anybody like it? If you've never seen the show Riverdale, Riverdale is a reboot of Archie Comics where they took Archie and they mixed it with a Gossip Girl 90210 style teen sex drama and kind of a little bit of Twin Peaks. And it's lots of really weird sexy teenagers who have way more money than they ever possibly should having lots of fun. And it is the
3: perfect show for teenage girls like me and Wayne. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, and with all of that, and I think this is a part people would have a tough time understanding, it's remarkably true to the spirit of the original Archie comics. I know there are people who who would argue that. I I watched a a YouTube video recently where there's an old Archie fan who was just railing about how the show just destroys everything and blah, blah, blah. I I think hopefully in the next hour we'll make the point that it's a bit more true to the the spirit of the original than I think is really obvious.
1: So when we decided to do this, I thought, well, who else can I invite (laughs) To talk with us this week, so we have more guests than normal this week. We have three guests. The first is my friend Connie, I know from college. She is my age and also a fifteen-year-old girl, except not (laughs) just on the inside. On the inside, that's right. On the inside, we're all fifteen-year-old girls on the on the inside. So, Connie, you want to tell people about yourself?
0: Hi, my name is Connie. Um, I watch Riverdale and a bunch of other shows of that ilk. I especially like it when they have the kind of genre fiction bits mixed in, which I think we will talk about a little bit today.
1: Absolutely. And then I thought, well, if we're going to do this, rather than just have middle-aged people pretending to be teenagers, it would make sense to have actual teenagers. So I borrowed some from a couple of friends of mine. So today we are joined by Sophie Hummel.
2: Hi. Sophie,
1: you are 16?
2: Correct. I am.
1: And a big fan of the show, right?
2: Yes, I am.
1: I know Sophie's mom from college and I used to get very drunk with her at parties and she can now hold that over her mom's head for the rest of her life.
4: Perfect.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry. Your mother was a very good girl. She was a student. She was perfect. And we're also joined by my friend, Jamie Pachuda, whose mother I've also gotten drunk with at parties. (laughs) Hi, Jamie. Hello. Jamie is a 19-year-old college student. So she's not in high school like the RT people, but I think you're still in the target age group, except you're the one person on the show who doesn't actually like Riverdale. I
4: don't know that I like it or I don't like it. I just haven't watched it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you, you're, you're, our, you're our test group here. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think that's what makes it interesting because yeah. what we have here is we have a show that auspiciously is targeted at teenage girls. And the three biggest fans of it are a middle-aged mom and two middle-aged men with no children. And then we have a 16-year-old who actually likes it. And then a 19-year-old who theoretically should be a fan. At least that's their intention. And have you ever even seen it?
4: I watched the first episode like an hour ago. <laughs> 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 because I was like, oh, I should probably nice. see this to understand what's
0: going on. It's <laughs> so exciting that you're already learning to be a great college student, cramming for the test <laughs> right, right, <before. laughs> right before. It's Netflix. to so go, so crammed.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's great. So it, it also just hit me. There are five of us on the show. We should form a band. because that's what you do when you're you know a a teenage sex romp right
4: oh definitely yeah
3: and and you do jingle
1: jangle which um (laughs) i don't know jamie's not that far yet jingle jangle is 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 the drug that they do on archie and Um, and and one of
3: the singles that the the band the archies released in 1969 Yeah. I love that you just knew that off the top of your yeah. head. I want
1: everybody to know that's not in his notes. No. <laughs> he no. just knew that the song Jingle Django came out in 1969 by the artists. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie, how'd you start watching the show?
2: Um, I saw the commercials on TV, and me and my friends thought that it was so interesting. Uh, so we just decided that we would all watch it together.
1: Have you ever read the books before?
2: I have not.
1: OK, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. had you watched other shows like Gossip Girl, Pretty Little Liars, 90210, any of the other teen soap operas, I guess you'd call them because they're not necessarily sex dramas, but they are because they're all shows about just a bunch of teenagers hooking up with each other. <laughs> but have you watched any of the other shows like that?
2: No, Riverdale would be the first.
1: Okay, so that's interesting because yeah. that leads to Wayne's little talk about the history of Archie. Yeah,
3: yeah. Let's let's go into. I mean, Archie's been around as a comic since like what 1941. Pep Comics. I, you can sort of make the the claim that Archie invented the teenager. Uh, you know, now it's it's like teenagers are a, a demographic that are marketed to. We make TV shows for you and clothes and and music and and whatever. And you know, up until the 1940s, teenagers were people who went out to work on the farm or the mines when they were. Or 12. That there wasn't so much of a teen pop culture. And that really came of age more in the 1950s. And we're going back to our nostalgia show, like Happy Days and whatever. But it wasn't really until the 40s and 50s that teenagers were seen as a separate demographic who might possibly have taste and interest of their own that we can now sell products to. And so Archie in many ways was in the foreground of that and kind of invented the concept of the teenager and has been published ever since in some form or another. And somewhere out there, there's a paper waiting to be written on how you can view teen culture Clothing and music and whatever, purely through the lens of Archie comics. Since then, so I, I read it as a kid, uh, like everybody did. I ignored it for the next forty years, and then I went back to it. I There's there's an independent comic called Loving Rockets from the the 1980s. Uh, one of my absolutely favorite books, uh, indie book, and I, I'm going to come back to it when we talk about genre as well. But I bring it up. Arguably my favorite comics artist is Jaime Hernandez, who is one of the creators of Love and Rockets, and he is hugely influenced by, by Archie Comics, and he's talked about this in interviews, just a couple of very specific artists. Who drew Archie, Dan DiCarlo and and Harry Lucy, who were just big influences on his art. And I love his art so much. It's like, all right, let me go back and look at some old Archie comics and see what he's talking about. Is, is he full of shit or, or what? And oh, yeah, we were given permission by parents to swear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Clear that ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. Way to go. Well, I, I, I know both of their moms and yet they're still on the show yeah, really. because
3: <laughs> I, I don't understand how that happened. <laughs> but but I, I went back, I started looking at this stuff and reading the stories and they're really kind of brilliant uh they they're little eight page chunks of life they're well drawn they're genuinely funny and they're really kind of surreal um mav i'm gonna bring it up first uh, mav and i have both read a, a book it's an academic study on archie called 12 cent archie where the guy who wrote it went back and read every archie that was priced at 12 cents which is from the early 1960s up through the mid 1970s and wrote a dissertation on it essentially and the book is is Amazing, and it's it's fun. It's academic, but it's incredibly accessible and fun. And he made some really great points. And like the characters, and I I think this plays out in the show as well. The characters are in many ways archetypes, but from story to story, there is no consistency whatsoever. There is no if if the story requires Archie to be an expert skier, he will be. If the next story requires him to be an absolute klutz on skis. He will be. And those stories will never reference each other. There's no consistency. And you can see things like that time and time again in the story. It's just there is no – we've talked in past episodes about continuity and, and how important continuity has become to Marvel and DC. And, oh, something happened to Spider-Man in 1968, and we have to make sure that what we're doing now is consistent with it. And Archie wasn't consistent from one story to the next and hasn't been – And for the last 80 years. <laughs> Sometimes Archie's be
1: dating Betty. Sometimes he's dating Veronica. Sometimes both. Sometimes the girls hate each other. Sometimes they're best yeah. friends.
3: Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. And I and the the guy who wrote 12s and Archie talks about the character types being you what? Know, what was the phrase he used? Uh, story engines—they are—they mm-hmm. are something that drives a story, and the specifics of what they can do, whether or not they can drive or like pizza or not or whatever, has no bearing whatsoever. So that's a tremendous freedom for the writer to just kind of do anything they want to do. So, and this is a bit of trivia. I, I mentioned the Jingle Jangle thing for for our younger viewers and and participants. There was a cartoon of Archie in the the nineteen 60s and the late 1960s on the show the Archies formed a band called the Archies (laughs) they hired studio musicians to play the instruments and sing the song they recorded a song called Sugar Sugar it was released as a single in 1969 the year of Woodstock Sugar Sugar was the number one record in America in the time of The Doors and Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin and the Beatles last album. The number one song in America was Sugar Sugar by a group of people who didn't exist.
1: (laughs) So that's that's a little bit of history. And then, of course, two years ago, they announced that they were going to do a show called Riverdale. And if you're a longtime comic book fan like us, because that's this show, you saw that and you thought. This is going to be ridiculous and bad, and it's going to be off the air easily within two weeks.
3: And but, 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 but we have to watch because it's yeah. comics. And we right? have to
1: watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we have to watch this because I want to watch this train wreck. I want to see. Them burn it to the ground. I just have to see it, and this is sort of my experience with it. Was sort of like what Sophie started with. That's why I want to start with her because if I understand you correctly, Sophie, you had no experience with them. I had lots of experience with them, and I thought this is going to be awful. I just want to watch it. I, w- I want to watch the train wreck. You said you and your friends wanted to watch it. Why?
2: I don't know. It just seemed different from a lot of the shows that we had watched in the past and were watching currently, and of course growing up with cole sprouse on the disney channel we just had to see what it was like when they brought him from the innocent disney channel to this like you said sex fiend show and and, and that's
3: great because i mean you saying that with your age group you know who he was i didn't know he was on disney till like a month ago yeah i i found out about that entire background of him you know a year and a half into the tv show so, no
1: expectations. He's also the kid from um, an Adam Sandler movie. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but there's an Adam Sandler movie where uh, it's called like Daddy something, and where Daddy, he, I think. Daddy, yeah, yeah, he's the little boy that like might or might not be be his son. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, he looks he's blonde then, and he's you yeah know, four, but <laughs>
0: he's
2: but, not blonde now. <laughs>
1: But same kid, yeah. But you you knew him from another show. What what other show was he on?
2: A uh, Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, and Sweet Life on Deck.
1: You want to watch him grow up, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so did you expect it to be good?
2: I was hoping for it to be good. <laughs> they put um, a lot of effort into making it look good to the public and commercials and stuff, and with mm-hmm. merchandise all around.
1: And so I know why Connie watched it because very similar to the way Sophie and her friends watch TV, Connie and I watch every show on the CW, and then we. Go back and we chat about, like, basically how cute all the boys are. Um, <laughs> Who was wearing what outfit? <laughs> Who was wearing what outfit? Yeah. And I, I mean, I am not exaggerating. We've been doing this for 20 something years. We've been doing this since <laughs> 90210.
0: <laughs> since, since 90210
1: um, Connie and I have been watching uh, before the CW, the WB, Fox. We've yeah. been watching these ridiculously A bad shows and time. going, Oh my god, did you watch Nine Who? Did you was... see what happened
0: to Brandon? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> yeah. So so clearly we were watching the show. Yeah. Did you think it was gonna be good?
0: So I did think it was gonna be good for me specifically. A thing that you might not remember that I am sure I told you is that when I was three years old, the Archies were my invisible friends. <laughs> and I would make my grandmother and mother hold the door open for all five of <laughs> them after I walked <laughs> into the <laughs> room.
3: They were rock stars. So they had you... a number one single. Of course someone held the door for them. Right? <laughs>
0: They were totally rock stars. Grandma, you got to hold the door, like, wait for Veronica, just chill. Uh, so I thought it was going to be great for me. I mean, you talk about this as being sort of a comic for girls and a thing for mm-hmm. girls. And, you know, my inner 16-year-old girl and my inner three-year-old girl were all in on Archie. <laughs> um, but that I think it was going to be kind of generically good for other humans that didn't have that history. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. Although everybody on it was, like, really cute, like, super cute. <laughs> so, you know. Okay.
1: Well, so Jamie... As our well, no longer Archie Virgin. So I asked you to do this three days ago, like yesterday. Okay, so yeah. Oh, yesterday. Okay, well, very yeah. recently. So, what did you think? Did you think it would be good? Did you think it would be bad? What did you? Know, you knew who they were ahead of time, right?
4: Oh yeah, yeah. But I, I just thought it like the show itself. I wasn't sure what to expect. In all honesty, it 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 could have. <laughs> it was either going to be really good or really bad. There was going to be no <laughs> in between at all. There was no. I I thought that the first episode, at least, was really good for what they were aiming for.
1: <laughs> so the first episode of Riverdale is sort of amazing because it's sort of you've got to introduce these characters to people who have never heard of them before, like Sophie. And then you've got to convince people like Connie, who grew up loving them, that, yes, we're going to do some really horrible things to these people, but trust it that that's going to be OK. And so that's why you're interesting, Jamie, because you were in the middle. You've heard of them. You were interested still, though. You, it, they didn't turn you no, off, you're No, it
4: didn't turn me off. Like, watching the first episode, it wasn't like, <laughs> it was, I, was I, I turned it on, and I was honestly expecting to just it, have the immediate gut reaction of no thank you. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it, you turn it on, and it's this very much larger-than-life kind of thing. You know, all of the colors are too bright, all of the people are too perfect. <laughs> it's like they took the comic book and just put it on a screen. Yeah. That's why Mav
0: and I are watching.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, Coming, coming to it as, as comics fan and a fan of this stuff, you know, I, I, I'm curious about the people who watch it, not knowing the stuff I know. Cause every episode there's, those little Easter eggs for those of us who know comic stuff. There's the, you know, I can't watch it without comparing it to the comic or being aware of when they, they drop little things like that. I think it's in the second episode, you know, Kevin Keller refers to somebody as Madam Satan, just as a, a bitchy, catty kind of comment. And you know, Madam Satan is a superhero character published by Archie Comics in the 1940s. And I know that, but you know, most people watching this show don't. And I thought, okay, that's clever, but it. You know, it, it worked as just something catty for for kevin to say but i simply can't watch it without doing that stuff in my brain so i'm always curious like is this working for other people am i only enjoying this because of these <laughs> hidden gems or or is there something else going on here well other people <laughs>
1: <laughs> apparently it works for no yeah. one
3: <laughs> there are
1: no hidden gems <laughs> well no i'm curious i mean so we've got three other people of varying ages and varying familiarity with the material so what do you guys think did it work for you i mean obviously it did for for connie and sophie because you still you're still watching the show
0: yeah it totally worked for me
1: (laughs) and jamie for someone who who has no familiarity with any i mean again you knew who they were yeah but you i mean you could be honest about it
4: oh i expected it to be terrible
1: Yeah. So did I. I mean, like, again, I watch, I watch Arrow. I love Arrow. I, one day I will be able to do a salmon ladder. And that is my dream in life. I can die the next day. Um,
3: I I would die the next day if I did that. Yes.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, but I, I watched these shows, but when I saw, so uh, going back to when, before it premiered and presumably Sophie will remember this because she said, this is what, this is what drew you into the show. The yes. commercials that the, the commercials for Riverdale for a month leading up to uh, the, up to the premiere were this goofy looking kid because they tried to make him look as much like Comic Archie as possible. So he's got ridiculously unrealistic fire engine red hair and freckles, and
3: really thick oh, eyebrows.
4: are yeah. yeah. huge,
3: <laughs> and, 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 and they're <laughs> perfect. If you look at the oh, drawing, yeah, yeah. Very, Archie has giant like, black, eyes. Yeah. very
4: realistic,
3: giant black and eyebrows, very
4: caterpillar. Yeah
3: yes
1: yeah (laughs) seriously and so then they show him and then and then the commercial like shows him walking by and giving the archie smile and then he takes off his shirt and he looks like a greek statue he's got sculpted abs and and i'm like archie did not look like that (laughs) and then the next scene he's suddenly having sex with his teacher mrs weatherby who in the comics is
0: (laughs) 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 miss grundy yeah
1: Mrs. Grundy. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Weatherby, the principal. Yeah, in the comics, Mrs. uh, Grundy is like an 80-year-old woman who... It looks, I mean, she is the old teacher that is mean.
0: I mean, Mrs. Grundy, Miss Grundy still has the bun and the glasses. Yeah. It's just that she's like, you know, 28. Yeah. yeah.
1: And they, I know they're making out in like the back of a car. And then you have people like in the commercial, like now it's like, now we're going to have somebody shooting somebody. And then we're going to, we're going to drown Jason Blossom. And it was like, what, where did all this come from? <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 it, and it was just suddenly like, in my head, there was this, just this explosion of this is way too
3: much, mm-hmm. but it works. It, it, it is, you know, to use the appropriate phrase, I guess, a little cartoony in its approach, but they somehow make it work. It, it doesn't feel like parody. Um, I, and maybe this leads into you know, what we alluded to earlier, the conversation about genre, because it, it's you know, what genre is this? Well, you know, it, it's a TV, teen romance, teen sex romp or whatever. But there's a whole lot of different genres going on in, in the series, and and once again, I think it reflects the comics.
1: There's murder mystery. There's it's a little noir. It's yeah, not, yeah. It's like it's like a detective story. Yep. Jughead is, I guess, Jughead's not really a
3: detective. He's he's a writer, <laughs> but he's essentially a detective. And and you know, Betty is is Lois Lane. You she's the reporter looking for the truth. Yep.
1: And Cheryl is perfect in every yeah. way. And she would yes. tell you.
3: Well, and, and, and <laughs> I, it took me while to realize Cheryl in particular. Cheryl, I think, is the most exaggerated one of the bunch. Cheryl is the, the gothic romance uh, and the Adams family who lives next door. Everything in Cheryl's world is slightly more baroque than everybody else on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
0: that really that really works because of who Cheryl is as a character. Though I mean. Like, I think that part of the reason we're talking about why the show works, even though it seems totally over the top, I think part of it is that, you know, the acting from the actors, especially the younger actors, is just really good. They're completely unflinching. Mm-hmm. They do not break. They don't They don't think it's cheesy at all. Yes. They are there. Yeah, no, they are 100% with yep, you. Yeah. And you just want to believe them because they really believe it and they're so good looking and you're like, yes. That is right. That's absolutely yeah. what's yeah. happening. That's
3: Jughead. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, the, the Archie comics, like that, that thing I was talking about of them having you know, no real continuity from story to story, that has appeared in that stuff forever. In In the 60s, they introduced Sabrina the Teenage Witch. So suddenly the Archie's characters lived in a world that had witches who could do actual magic. And in the Sabrina book, we, and, and it, there was a Saturday morning cartoon, Sabrina and the Groovy Ghoulies. and the Groovy Ghoulies were Frankenstein's Monster and Dracula and the Werewolf, which by extension existed in the same world as the Archies. So they opened up this world to have these weird gothic elements to it. You much, much farther beyond than, than what Cheryl represents. But just, yeah, it hit me. Like I'm watching this. It's like, oh, Cheryl's family, they're like the Adams family or the, or the monsters. They're just that slightly, Weird neighbors that you know moved in next door to the Flintstones that one season. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, over the years, Archie teamed up with the Punisher back in the nineties. In more recent years, the comics have attempted to to make the stories more adults. So there's been an ongoing book called Afterlife with Archie, where there are zombies. There's a book right now where Jughead is a werewolf. There's a book right now where Veronica is is a sorceress they they did a team up with predator (laughs) so the the comics themselves have have just jumped like those characters can be thrown into almost any situation and somehow make it work okay so
1: that's why the show works the show works because the characters were always characters that could be anything yeah i is that i
0: I think
3: so i I think that's the point i'm making they
0: well and you you talked about the kind of You know, when this when the archies started as being like the thirties or the forties, I can't Mm -hmm. remember the exact date. Yeah, okay. So if you do the math, that's basically seventy-seven years ago. So as far as most people alive are concerned, like the majority of people alive, the archies have always been there. So you talk about them being archetypes. We've existed with those archetypes, you know, the majority of you know, within one or two standard deviations of current humans. We've always had those. Mm
3: -hmm. Well, and and you you can, you can just kind of go down the, the list. You know, Betty is the girl next door. Veronica is the mean rich girl. Cheryl is the meaner richer girl. Uh, you know, Jughead's the best friend. Our, Reggie is the Archie's frenemy, the, the nemesis. So, you know, they are really kind of very specific archetypes that you can probably go to every other CW show or, or 90210 or whatever. And graph those definitions onto the main characters of all of those shows. Well,
1: but they don't try to be, I mean, they are complex, but they don't try to be. And so originally in the comics, you're right. Like Reggie is Archie's rival. They're friends because they're on the same football team, but they're just constantly at Mm -hmm. each other. There's nothing that differentiates Betty and Veronica other than the fact that one is the rich girl and the other is the girl next door. That's literally like the reason Archie can't decide between them is they're They're in the comics. They're the
3: same yeah. person. They're Veronica's a little mean. Yeah.
1: Well, one is blonde, yeah, right. one is blonde, has dark and redhead. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. And, and, yeah. and um, was introduced as the redhead sometime in the seventies. So,
1: but then you take it to the TV show, and they are archetypes, but they're they're somehow yeah, more. Pick yeah. Jamie. So you've watched one episode. Who stands out for you the most?
4: Who am I the most interested in, or who stands out the most? Both. Yeah. Um, the all of the adults on the show are the most intriguing characters. Interesting. Uh, and I, only, I only say that because. All the teenagers are in, in from seeing one episode and not knowing basically anything about the comics other than they exist. They're so stereotyped. You, you can see their storyline coming miles and miles ahead. And so the Mm -hmm. only mystery besides, you know, the literal mystery of the show (laughs) is, you know, (laughs) who, who are these adults? What are they going to do? How do they play into it? And what's going to happen to them? Because they're, so complex in a lot of ways. They're the only things that you don't really see coming.
3: Yeah, and I, I find that fascinating because in the comics, the only adult who has a, a real personality at all, which you haven't seen because he's not in the first episode, is Veronica's dad. Everybody else are pretty much cookie cutter, 1950s era adults. I'm going to make you bread or cookies or whatever on the part of the mom, and you need to go get a job on the part of the dad. And you know, Mr. Lodge is... is more than anybody in the book, Archie's nemesis, and but the only adult who really has a personality. I, and you know I come away from watching the show maybe you know, and a more adult perspective. You know, if you continue watching this, the main lesson I'm learning about adults from the Archie universe is all adults suck. That's a what makes
4: them so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is so <laughs> <new. I'm laughs> tragically broken. The, the adults are terrible,
3: terrible people. Terrible but they're people in the
4: only ones that you look at and go, "Yep, that could happen." Like these mm-hmm. teenagers have perfect airbrushed faces and drama storylines that could never happen in real life.
3: What, what I <laughs> yeah, well, what I, I love is the fact is so many of the adults on that show, uh, Archie's dad and Betty's mom and and Archie's mom were all teen idols at one point. You know, they were they mm-hmm. were they yeah. were all in movies and TV shows at that age when they were teenagers. Yeah. and, and Jug.
1: And Jughead's dad, who yeah. you've not seen
3: yet, Jamie. But yeah,
1: yeah, sure. yeah, so yeah. Oh, and and Josie's mom. Yeah. Like literally,
3: all of the all the mothers and do, and fathers yeah. are are, are teenagers. Yeah, up. which I, I think that's brilliant casting. And I'm going to put this out into the universe and hope someone at, at Riverdale hears me. Since Molly Ringwald came in as Archie's mom, if they don't cast Ali Sheedy as Jughead's mom, I'm going to be severely disappointed.
0: So. Yes, <laughs> Curve. oh god please make that happen yeah, so, 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 yeah
3: isn't perfect okay sorry sorry okay, so. i just i just you know completely <laughs> no, I,
1: now i want to ask now i want to ask the exact same question to sophie who watches the show all the time she's the only person who's called all the way up except for me so who is the most interesting person to you I think
2: the most interesting person is Cheryl, just by seeing throughout the two seasons how much she's changed from being so spoiled and the rich bitch in season one to being in season two. I hope I don't spoil anything for Jamie. But <laughs> I don't care being <laughs> <laughs> <I laughs>
3: Snap <laughs> 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 yeah.
2: coming from a broken family who just has no relations with each other with half of them being dead and the other half hating.
3: Yeah. It's the the Adams family thing. I said, she, she grew up in a family of monsters. Exactly. I mean, metaphorically, but she grew up in a family of monsters. And yeah, I, I agree. She's the character I feel most invested in because I, they've done such a marvelous job. I think with her from the beginning of, she is she's horrible she's evil she's mean to her friends she's she's terrible and there's something wonderfully vulnerable about her that you want to root for her and you see her pain and brokenness and that mitigates the awfulness someplace because you understand where it's coming from and this is where
1: me and sophie are going to talk because we're only once caught up and i'm going to do this without spoiling or i'm going to try to what's amazing about the show you know it's using Cheryl as an example. If you go to the comic, and, and I think the 12-cent makes this point, in a lot of ways, Betty and Veronica are basically the same person. They're almost interchangeable. Veronica's a little meaner. She's also a little realer. I think when you're a little girl, you're supposed to associate with Betty, and then you're supposed to grow up and you're like, oh no, Veronica made a lot more sense. It, it, that's classically how people talk about it in the comics. Cheryl was introduced in the 70s, and She almost didn't make sense unless you were really paying attention. Cheryl is the redhead because Archie has a blonde girlfriend and a brunette girlfriend. So we're going to add a red haired girlfriend who looks exactly the same as the other two. And the only thing that really differentiated differentiated her and it wasn't super clear is that Cheryl was a little sluttier. Like yeah. you could sort of tell that she was, like you could sort of tell, because they weren't going to, it was Archie, it was Archie comics. They were for kids. They weren't going to do anything like the show does, where people, they, people certainly weren't ever going to actually have sex. But you could tell that probably Cheryl was the one who did. She was a little more dangerous and she wasn't around as much. Yeah. But she was mostly, most of the comics with Cheryl in the 70s were just Betty and Veronica getting mad because. Archie would ditch them for the girl in the bikini at the beach. That's, you know, they'd have a one piece and she'd be wearing a bikini. And it, it was just little subtle things like that. So she was never in the comics. She was never much more than just sort of the girl who was so mean that even Veronica hated her. So on that first those first couple episodes of the TV show, I feel like that's where you know she sort of starts out. But then as you grow to see her family and you, you grow to see so the show opens up and this is something that Jamie knows because she's seen the first episode. The mystery of the show for the first season is who killed Cheryl's brother. Cheryl has a twin brother, Jason, um, in the in the comics as well, who's never been as big a character. So they started the show by just saying, we'll just kill him. So he's. So the show starts with him being a murder victim, and the first season is all yeah. the mystery of who killed
3: Jason Blossom. Yeah, he, he's, he's but, the Cheryl Palmer, or the Laura Palmer of Riverdale,
1: right? From from yeah, from Twin Peaks, and a a big part of it is let's find out. Like him being dead gives you a little bit of a reason to sort of feel sorry for Cheryl, and it gives the characters a little bit of a reason to feel sorry for for Cheryl, and. That quickly goes away that first season because she is such a bitch all the time. And she's just so aggressively mean to people for the first four, five, six episodes. But over the course of two years, you've sort of found out why more and more. And now again, with very limited spoilers towards last night's episode, and uh, I see if you see if you agree with me, Sophie, Cheryl's basically the hero now. As of last night, she is Probably the coolest person on the show. Fair,
2: I definitely agree with that. I think what happened in her house was a turning point for her mm-hmm. um, in becoming the hero of the story, helping out Betty.
1: Right. So you, yeah. So you see, there's a, there's a lots of over the last couple of seasons. There's lots of you find out. Oh. Okay, this girl's fucked up. She's got her mother's a nightmare. Her father is a nightmare. Everyone is horrible to her. She became a bitch to everyone else because no one has ever loved her, basically, and she just doesn't know anything else. So you sort of grow that sympathy back. And as you know, she she literally is a is a character out of some you know, out of some 17th century Victorian novel. And you sort of not only do you get why she became this, you sort of want her to win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I guess is the best way I can say you sort of you sort of root for her in a, in a yeah. way and she sort of starts making sense. And what what makes her, what makes it interesting to me is sort of what you were saying at the beginning, Wayne. They're all on different shows because Betty, for instance, is not on that show at all. Betty, who lives in the same world as Cheryl, is friends with her. Ultimately, you find out they're actually related, oh, you know, yeah. they're cousins even. Yeah. But, they're, but Betty's family life is more, she's got teenage struggles, but they're suburban teenage struggles. You know, she's, she has to worry about will my family break up? Will my, you know, the, the nightmare that is Cheryl's life doesn't exist mm-hmm. for her. But some, But somehow, both their problems feel important in the same way and and I and it's it's sort of weird because you shouldn't be able to identify with anybody on Riverdale at all because they're all so cartoony and yet I find all of them so compelling like like when when Betty has problems you go I get what she's going through when Jughead's a problem, it's like, yeah. I get what he's doing. Like, I don't because I've well, never I, been, you know, I've never had been by my, by my parents or anything like that And any the yeah. crazy things that happen to those well, people. The
3: genre thing, you know, Jughead's living in, in Rebel Without a Cause. You know, he, he's the. Th- that and, and in, in many ways, he's the character who is most overtly changed from the comics.
1: Yeah. The classic Jughead is the buffoon.
3: Yeah. He, I mean, he's Archie's best friend, but he's he's lazy. He's not interested in anything except food. He's the one person <laughs> in Riverdale not obsessed with the opposite sex. Uh He's kind of a girl's ooh. they've actually in the in the comic itself. They have made him canonically asexual recently. Right. Uh, that was certainly yeah, the, moder- yeah, the, mo- yeah, the, the, the modern. Yeah, the modern birdhead is is an asexual, and that's absolutely true to what his character has always been. It's just they they you know, that's not a term they would have used in 1942. So and television jughead is anything but that. He is not the bad boy.
0: He is the most sympathetic guy on the show. I love I love TV Jughead. Jughead, you know, he has a history and you just want to like fix him and help him and you're like, Oh, can I take him home and hug him? Because that seems like it would maybe go somewhere and maybe tune a casserole. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, in some ways he has as much of an interesting backstory as Cheryl does, except that his is revealed a little more Mm -hmm. quickly. You kinda of get to know a little bit more about him in season one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like Jughead is relatable kind of early on. You start out wanting to root for Jughead, you start out wanting him to kinda to kinda make it, to kinda get something that's good for him. But Cheryl, I feel like You end up liking her because of how she's relating to the other characters. You kind of start out hating her and you feel a little bad that her brother died, but she's pretty irritating that by the end of season one and early season two, Betty and Veronica are kind of inviting her friendship and trying Mm -hmm. to kind of make overtures to her. And because you all identify with Betty and Veronica, (laughs) you kind of have to like Cheryl as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Also, I think Cole Sprouse, uh, as Sophie pointed out, Cole Sprouse was the most famous before the shows, other than the adults, yeah. the adults who all were teen stars, but of the of the teen actors, Cole Sprouse, who plays Jughead, was the one who had a career ahead of time. So I think there's, I think there's sort of something where you're sort of, in, I mean, Sophie, you said you wanted to watch the show because he was on it. Right. So, so I wonder if there's something where there's sort of a built in audience for him. You know, he's the narrator on most episodes open up with him reading from his journal about what's going on. And so like, I think you're sort of inclined to sort of want to know Jughead's story. Jughead's story on 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 the show starts with the fact that somehow he comes from the one poor family in Riverdale. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Later, you find out there are other poor families. But but from that first episode, everyone's rich. Everyone's got or at least well off. Yeah. Everyone's got million dollar haircuts and and clothing. Somehow Veronica is even richer. But like Archie's dad's a construction worker, but he seems to be doing pretty well. And, and Jughead is next to home. And, and it's just sort of accepted that he's the one poor family. And you sort of go from there. So I think he's got a kind of a thing where, oh, he's the kid who doesn't fit in. And I think we all we all feel that way at some point.
0: Well, and I also feel like comic book people tend to root for the person who doesn't fit in. And to the extent that comic book culture has kind of taken over and we're no, you know, we're no longer rooting for the guy in the Letterman jacket. yeah that ship kind of (laughs) sailed i feel like now we're it's sort of more acceptable to root for Jughead. you know it's he's we want to feel like he's the weirdo but let's be honest those people kind of won
1: yeah and i think one of the things that's great about the show is they've they've essentially built it in a way now that every single character certainly all the main characters are people who don't fit in like betty has a dark side that You you find oh, oh, it's probably it's it's pretty early on. I think four or five episodes in, when you find out that she's got mental mental issues, she's she's struggling, and that makes her not fit in. Veronica's father, you find out, is in jail. Yep, there's Mm
0: -hmm. a family thing going
1: on. Like everybody's got something that sort of sets them aside. Uh, Kevin Kevin's gay. Kevin Keller is is the gay character that's canon, canonically in the comics as well. Honestly, he's probably the most well-adjusted person in Riverdale. Yeah. Aside from the fact that he's got what classically would be the big secret on on a show like this, he's but fine. It's not much no, of a secret no. in the no. show. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Isn't his dad like the yeah. officer? Yeah, his dad's the like the detective. Yeah, yeah. 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 the
4: sheriff. <laughs> sheriff. Thank you.
1: <laughs> We're talking about you know things we like about the show. How did it get over? all the things that it shouldn't work. I think we all agree that it, it shouldn't work. And yet it's somehow intriguing, but why not just because it can't just be that we relate with them because they're weird. I mean, everybody's weird, but there's lots of weird yeah. shows on television.
3: Yeah. And you know, I, I wonder for myself, I like, I watch most of the CW shows, but it's because they all have superheroes in them. You know, I, I didn't watch 90210. I watched Twin Peaks back in the day. Hey, Mav, you and I have talked, I, I liked movies like edge of 17. I, I watched, you know, I, I saw all the, you, Pretty in Pink and Sixteen Candles in the 80s when I was you know, too old to be seeing them then as well. But I, would I be watching the show if it wasn't specifically tied into a comic that I have a fondness for? And I I don't know that the answer would be yes to that. I, I don't think I would have paid any attention to it if it was these exact same archetypes and stories, but I didn't have that connection.
1: I I would have, but I love (laughs) shows like this. Yeah. But I think what's interesting is, Jamie, you said you just don't watch much television.
4: Yeah, generally, I don't. I don't watch much TV.
1: But you're going to watch TV or a movie (laughs) or anything like that. Do you care care about (laughs) stuff marketed specifically at your age group or does it not matter? Like, are you more likely to watch this than you are... Um, I don't know. what's. Oh, they just brought back Dynasty.
4: I would probably be more interested in whichever show I could personally relate to. You know, if if we're talking about a show about a bunch of teenagers in high school. Yeah, I've been there. I've done that. I've seen it versus
1: this. Dynasty is about a family that owns like a tech company they're oh, millionaires.
4: Wow. Yeah, I've seen that. I've been there. Um <laughs> Wait, your yeah. mom a tech company? Yeah. Can yeah, I yeah. come over? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's been oh,
1: pulling yeah. out on
4: this. Um, Mad. But but you're talking about personal connection to a to a show like this, you know? Yeah. If I'm gonna sit down and watch a show, I'm much more likely to watch something that I can at some level relate to and not just situation, but personally. And you're going to sit here and basically show me this show, these bunch of perfect teenagers with their perfect lives that aren't perfect at all. And I'm like, Oh, I can relate to that. And moreover, I want to have that life. I want my life to be that interesting, even though it sucks. Like I wish my
3: life had this. Bringing up things like Dynasty, I you because that that's a reboot of a show from from the eighties, and you I I forget what they weren't a tech company then, but they were. I think they owned oil in the original show. Yeah, yeah. So so there was that, and you know that was Dallas, and there was what Falcon Crest and several others of that. Yeah, how's how's that for a blast from the past?
0: Yeah, I forgot about Falcon (laughs) Crest.
3: But yeah, yeah, those are I've always wondered about how many people actually relate to those shows. Here's a show about Texas oil billionaires. And, you know, I was watching it in my little backwoods Appalachian home and it's not like we related to them I think a lot of that for people the appeal of that is the wish fulfillment thing I'm never actually going to live like a billionaire Mm -hmm. but let me watch people who do
4: no but there's something to be said about this idealized version of something that you've experienced
3: I mean I wish I I wish I could afford
1: the cars they
3: have and the clothes they have Yeah, I'm going to say this is from the viewpoint of of the oldest person here tonight but you know some of that that heightened drama and and Sophie I'm sorry if this Sounds insulting, but at that age, everything feels that important and that much drama. I, I think they're trying to capture that sense of in the show itself. Here is all these crazy things that are happening, but I I remember being a teenager. It kind of felt like that every day, whether that stuff was happening or not. Is is am I just too old and not you know am I am I mischaracterizing teenagers?
2: No, I think that's a good description of. I'm going to say us, but everything just seems to be so important, whether it's the littlest yeah. thing and, or and, and the I biggest say thing. That's,
3: that's not an insult. I think that's just an observation. I was like that at, at that age. And, and I think that's that's part of growing up and hormones and all the changes and, and, and you know, for so much of this stuff, whether it's relate. I'm like that now. Yeah, well, yeah.
0: <laughs> but you and I have our inner 15-year-old yeah. girl. I don't think we <laughs> have, I, have this I,
3: conversation. I have, yeah, I have some of that as well. I, I recognize. But yeah, I you know, some of it is, it's the first time you're experiencing any of that stuff. So it, it, it feels yeah. bigger than you. By the, the 17th time you've gone through that at, at our age, it's still dramatic, but it's not Anything brand new in the first time and like, yeah, I've been through this before and I will probably be through it again. Where the first time you experience some of this stuff, it feels like the most important thing in the world. And I, I think that heightened sense of realism is something they're, they're definitely trying to go for heightened sense of realism on, on the show that has the black hood and you know, all that stuff, but the emotional aspect of it, I guess.
0: When you talked about the history a little bit, you talked about that might be overstating it to say that you credit.
3: Archie with um, kind of the invention of teenagerdom, but and, and that's an overstatement. I, you know, it, it's far more complex than that. But in right. in, many, in many ways, it, it's part of that. I think.
0: But so we talked about you know kind of that you can relate to it in a certain way because you are a teenager or were a teenager. We talked about the reason that it works is because it's you know it's just really well acted and the production values are really good. There's this other piece of teenagerdom that we didn't really talk too much about, which is sort of the music and clothing thing that oh, you talked yes, about. Yes. Um, and I feel like for this for this kind of ilk of shows, for the kind of teenager shows, that there are definitely, you know, music pieces and clothing pieces that really kind of keep people coming back. It's maybe not the primary reason that you're there, but I got to tell you, I do kind of want to see who's wearing what when yeah. I what, turn the show <laughs> well, on. And, and, um, and the
3: show itself, the, the comic, it had Dan DiCarlo, the, the one-art artist I mentioned had teenage daughters and he would talk to them about what teens are wearing. You know, he, he would look through yeah. the, the the Sears catalog of see what fashions were hot for, for teens in 1965. So he was really on top of that. And that was true of most of the, the, the Archie artists, you know, music always played a part of it. I mentioned sugar, sugar and, and jingle jangle. That was when you know, the late sixties and, and cartoons and rock and roll would become a thing. But you know, throughout the history of that book, you have, them engaging in music. You can't hear it. They didn't record stuff, but yep. that's part of the stories that they're from very early on. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a famous cover of Betty and Veronica listening to a Beatles album and you know, it's a Beatles album because they're raving about it. And Mr. Lodge is sitting there with a thought bubble over his head with insect beetles in it. So, and that music as something that And more so then than now, music in in the 60s is something that separated the generation gap. These kids and their weird music today, where now all of us adults grew up with the weird music and we still listen to it as well. So I don't think that's quite the gap it used to be.
0: But that kind of music theming is a thing that happens in uh, almost all of these kind of teenage shows. I remember, uh, like, and I watch a lot of these shows in bits and pieces. Rain, which is basically the teenage sex drama about Mary Queen of Scots. Did anybody but me watch that?
1: I've seen one episode.
0: Okay, so there's a part, you know, and this is again, this is Mary Queen of Scots. This is not new, but they have her doing kind of, you know, like medieval ballroom <laughs> dancing to what's clearly a Taylor Swift cover. <laughs> like, like, wait a minute, what is that? And it's you. Know, you this is part of the reason why people watch those shows because you want to see that you want to hear what they're playing you want to see the outfits. Heck, Matt and I talk all the time about the Arrow Fashion yeah, Blog. Yeah. So Arrow is another one of these yeah. comic book shows that we love.
1: I will link Arrow Fashion Blog uh, uh, to the to the show notes. It, it is the yeah. best website uh, ever.
0: And I both love and hate the Arrow Fashion Blog because early on in Arrow, I would look at the Arrow Fashion Blog and be like, "Oh my god, I can get that necklace. That necklace is thirty seven dollars." And now I'm like, "That necklace is seven grand. Like, how dare they make money? I cannot afford to shop." The Fashion yeah, blog Matt,
3: Matt mentioned that to me last week sometime in, while we were talking about this and I didn't know that existed, but I've seen that for Doctor Who. Like if you want to do any of the Doctor Who costumes, yeah. here's the blog that tells you exactly what jacket he was wearing in this episode. Yeah. Um,
0: and now they're all sold out. Every time you click at any of those affiliate links, you can't even get that $7,000 right. necklace anymore because apparently there are rich teenagers well, and, buying and, them. And something <laughs> that,
3: that was, you know, Part of the comics for a long time is they would they wanted in the letters pages, they would have kids, I mean, the kids who are reading this book, send in your design. So, you know, girl girls yeah. and boys across America were, were doing really bad drawings of Betty and Veronica wearing clothes that they have designed, sent them into Archie Comics, and Danda Carlo and Harry Luce and the other artists would do drawings of them. So you get these kids hmm. and you know, it would say sent in by Chris Maverick from you know Pennsylvania at age twelve. Yeah. So it was a chance for the, the kids to participate. You you saw how they viewed fashion.
0: Yeah, that's not new, right? You know, we yeah. people people always look to media to figure out what people are wearing, but it's yeah. just really heightened drama, it's really heightened in this whole set of shows. I remember looking watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm-hmm. which is not quite the same, but kind of has some of those themes. And Anya was wearing a Peter Pan collar shirt, and I was like, Oh my god, <laughs> how do it. I get a Peter Pan collar shirt? I that. <laughs> but, and well, I didn't have a blog, I just had to look. But I yeah. mean it's that's been a pretty consistent thing for media in general, and especially for media that's geared yeah, at teenagers. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I, okay, but does it work? We have two teenagers. Does it work? Or is it just for us because we're old? Good
2: point. The <laughs> fashion and the clothes? Yeah.
1: Does it make you go, oh, I want to dress like Betty or Veronica or I Cheryl. need those earrings. Yeah. Where did she get those shoes? Mm-hmm. I
2: think it has an impact, but I don't think it totally changes us. Yeah, there, there are
4: very few moments where I, I look at someone and I'm like, I want hmm. that necklace exactly it has to be that one. I'm sorry it's seven grand. Mm. It has to. <laughs> Mom, I hate <need> it. <laughs> like, oh. the, the biggest impact is <laughs> the, the idea what? of the style, not, not the exact.
0: Well, I think that's fair. And I think that the idea of the style is what we've had for, you know, most of the time that this media has existed. I think being able to affiliate link to the specific necklace is a relatively yeah. new concept, given that this all started in right. the 40s. Right. right
1: but you definitely always i mean even going back to
3: like friends give me the rachel yeah. haircut or
1: whatever give
0: me the rachel haircut is a good example oh my <laughs>
3: When we were talking about the fashion end of it, there's a blog out there that shows pictures of Katy Perry outfits on stage and compares them one-to-one to to outfits worn by a character by the name of Katie Keene, who was published by Archie Comics. Oh,
0: I saw that. Yeah, Katie Keene was
3: published by by Archie Comics, and there's fashion every every issue. She was wearing different clothes, and it's uncanny how many of Katy Perry's outfits – look pretty much exactly yeah. like like Katie Keene things and she is
0: yeah some of those were spot yeah, yeah. on and, I mean the outfit that she wore in Roar I was like wow that is like yeah, the same it, outfit it's
3: amazing to, to see that comparison and I, I think she is on record as denying it but I think that's can't possibly be true given how close these things are and how many of them there are. Like, If it happened once, like, okay, yeah, that's a coincidence, you know, heart-shaped, bustier, whatever. Uh, but when there's, oh, look, there are 20.
1: So we've talked about the music, we've talked about the fashion, and one of the things, I mean, sort of what started it, we were calling this the teen sex drama, and that's one of the things that I wanted to I definitely want to finish up on that because what I think is interesting about all the CW shows and I'm calling them CW shows, but it's not just CW shows. Um, We we haven't mentioned it yet. Connie and I are both, Big fans of the show, The Magicians. If you, I don't know if anybody else has, has anybody else
3: seen The Magicians. I haven't. I I read the novel it's based on a while back.
0: Oh, you should watch the TV show because the first season is actually better yeah. than the novels, and I'll explain to you why offline. Yeah, I I I,
3: I had real mixed feelings about the novel. Yeah. So okay. <laughs> well,
1: okay, So we watch The Magicians. I, I watch a show called The Hundred. We've watched Nine Hundred and Two One Zero.
0: We all watch Arrow, Flash. Yeah, we, yeah. Arrow Legends Flash. of
1: Tomorrow, and-, and and we sort of started off the show talking about this. What's interesting from that very first episode of Riverdale is basically the hook from the from the trailer is hey kids you have to watch this show Archie is fucking Miss Grundy
4: oh yeah yeah definitely that comes in before the opening sequence like (laughs) Yeah, yeah
3: that's the hook yeah and and if your experience of Miss Grundy for the last you know seventy years has been she's this little old lady who teaches at the school, it's like what? Yeah.
0: But if you came of age in the era of Mary Kay Letourneau. Yeah, yeah. Well
1: yeah, and and then you see then they show Miss Grundy and she's, you know, A supermodel instead of an 80-year-old woman. And you go, okay, I I get that. Now I need to know what's up. And what's sort of interesting to me about Riverdale is for (laughs) reasons that we're not going to go into because the show doesn't need to be eight hours. Archie has a history of sort of in the comics trying to be the comic that you wanted your teens to be like. You didn't want your teens to be out there on drugs or hooking up in cars. You wanted your kids to be good kids like the Archie kids. A Riverdale, the show is very much about sex. Oh, very much. In every episode. It's who's hooking up with who. I mean, it's about other things as well, but that's sort of, I don't want to call it a realistic view of being in high school, because it's not. I mean, there's, we talk about it, There's murders. They've got million dollar clothes. But there's, it is very much a show about sexuality on every level from sort of dealing with which characters are gay and bisexual and and dealing with their discovery of those things to just dealing with things like who's hooking up with who is it okay to have sex with your teacher is it you know all like it it is such a sexual show and it's sort of it's weird to me that Archie this show that was I mean this television this comic that was supposed to be so pristine and wholesome became even more so, I've been watching Pretty Little Liars. I've watched 90210. Those shows do not have the amount of sexual charge that Riverdale does. As
3: another piece of comics trivia, in the 70s, maybe late 60s, there was a run of Archie comics. It was was released as a separate imprint that were very overtly Archie Christian comics. They were written and drawn by a guy by the name of Al Hartley. And they were the Archie crew going to church and having prayer meetings and quoting scripture. Well,
4: that's very similar to the show. Yeah,
3: definitely, Absolutely. yeah, <laughs> right, right. Oh, they were saying, Oh, God, in a very different way in this comic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, a lot of the shows that you talked about now have this kind of genre fiction component, right? The 100 is kind of sci-fi. We have the kind of superhero comic book shows. Archie is a comic, but there's no superpowers, right? And right. so the big, the, the only genre piece of that that's sort of overt is just everything is heightened. And so maybe the kind of overt sex part of that is that this is a teen sex drama on steroids. Yeah. The, the genre there is just more. The hair is way more red. The sex is way more happening. The outfits are way more exciting. And,
3: and if they're in high school, they're all 16 years old. Old, which nobody seems to mention.
0: Yeah. First episode, they look like they're
4: like 20, like going off to college in like six months. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're starting yeah. sophomore year. Yeah. Who looks like that? No one looks like right. that.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I think I mentioned this in the, our, our show about nostalgia, but there was a TV comedy called Welcome Back Cotter in the 70s. And it came on the year I was in ninth grade and the students on Welcome Back Cotter were supposed to be in ninth grade. And I'm sorry, this guy's 35. You know? it, it, was, it, was, it was so incredibly obvious. But you
0: can't have actual 16-year-olds engaging in sex activities on TV. So you have to have these 20-year-olds who are pretending to be 16.
3: Well, so uh, talk about a
1: different show. I've been binge-watching Pretty Little Liars. And what's amazing is there's five main characters. The oldest actress in the first season is like 28. She's playing a 16-year-old and she doesn't look old. You know, you you could believe that she's a 16-year-old on a television show where you're used to the fact that older actors and actresses play the characters. Up until you see her standing next to her co-star, who actually is 16. Right. And you go, oh, there's a difference. Yeah. Like, the 18 year olds don't look like 28-year-olds. And it becomes weird because one of them really is a teenager and the others really aren't.
0: But other than that one early first episode makeout scene in Pretty Little Liars, there really isn't a whole lot of overt sexuality
1: in those characters. Right, you'd think there would be. There and it, really isn't. And there's not. There, it, there's more and more later in the seasons, but it's, it's still... It's relatively light. Yeah, that show to is what, a
0: thriller. Yeah. Right. That show has the genre of thriller, right? These right. other
1: shows have the genre of superhero.
0: Archie's has the genre of more sex.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to say it salaciously. From the first episode with him hooking up with Miss Grundy in the car, there's a point to that. And it goes somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at the end of the day, you're still talking about a show that's about a sophomore sleeping with his adult teacher. And it sort of plays out organically over the course of the season, which is sort of weird. Sophie, I know your mom watches the show with you.
2: Uh, yes. On occasion she does.
1: You sort of want to say that's not something you'd normally watch with your mom, but I think it's sort of almost fine.
2: Yeah. I think it's interesting because of the different generations that watch it because you have the older people who grew up with the comics and the books rather than the teenagers who just grew up with the actors.
1: I just, it, it, to me, it's so weird the extent to, the show has managed to sort of make it, you know, it's about heightened sexuality like Connie said how did they manage to sort of make that okay like I would expect that the biggest complaint about Archie I would expect right now to have lots of parents groups going take this filth off the air you know because of what it is but it it just sort of feels okay in a way that like I've seen people complain about pretty little liars and as Connie said there's really not that much sex in it it's a lot of murder there's a, oh, yeah, lot of, there, there's a lot of killing people in Pretty Little Liars, and I've never seen anybody complain about that. What I hear people complain about is, um, well, similarly to Archie, Pretty Little Liars begins with, a, um, I guess she's 16 because she can drive, but but a 16-year-old is having an affair with her 20-something-year-old English, English teacher. teacher. And that's, that's one of the central plot lines to the show, and scandalous absolutely scandalous people complained about it this is inappropriate
0: but it was way less scandalous and pretty little liars than it was in the archie in the archie comics where you're watching them yeah after she figures that it's her teacher they're kind of over it and it's like awkward but it's not like it's part of like a central right they're not she's not going back for more right archie is kind of all in on miss grundy yeah until his dad kind of her dad his dad kind of breaks them up i guess i don't know Oh, did I spoil? I'm sorry. But
1: only Jamie doesn't know, and you don't care, right? I still don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Delete it later. Sorry. <laughs> no, nope, she still doesn't care.
0: <laughs> so it's yeah. more salacious in Archie than it is in Pretty Little Liars. It's absolutely it's just salacious. A plot
1: point. It's absolutely salacious in, Arch- in Archie, but no one cares. Every episode so not about sex, but I mean, mm-hmm. very early on, you've got an episode where Veronica and Betty decide to get revenge on Chuck for yeah, that was um, kind of creepy. Yeah. And so they dress up in lingerie and attack him in a hot in tub, a hot <laughs> t- <laughs> and, and you're like just watching it. I'm just it was riveting. But you want to go? What the fuck?
0: It is was going totally on creepy. Here? It was actually a little creepier than Archie hooking up with the teacher. Frankly, yeah,
3: yeah. There, there there's a chapter in 12th and Archie called Betty is Crazy. Mm-hmm. Where the guy makes a wonderful point going through the entire history of Betty of, yeah, Veronica's mean and all that stuff, but Betty's just crazy. And he gives example after example after example. Watching that episode convinced me that the writers of Riverdale have read 12 Cent Archie because she comes out in that lingerie and the wig and whatever. It's like, oh, Betty's crazy. (laughs) And I think it's pretty clear
1: at this point that she's not just crazy with like a haha crazy it's pretty clear by season two that she does have legitimate mental illnesses mm-hmm. that wow. she's dealing with
0: and i feel like it's sort of become more okay to actually talk about legitimate yeah. mental illnesses mm-hmm. you know in comparison to how it was 20 years ago sure i mean many of us in the kind of older contingent on this show grew up watching 90210 which was sort of a precursor to all of these things <laughs> do you remember the episode in 90210 where i think jason Priestley sleeps with the blonde chick in the pool yeah it was like a huge big deal oh my god they're actually having actual sex and they didn't show any of the sex obviously because it was primetime tv Mm -hmm. but it was a huge big deal i mean you know my mom was not interested in me watching that episode of the show but you know she went to sleep it was fine um So, you know, people grew up with this and it turned out to not be that big of a deal and then they all wanted to have sex and have children that are now teenagers and now they're watching this show with their teenage children. Maybe we all got over that because we watched this kind of TV show before and it turned out that we all didn't grow up to be like,
3: you know, sex craze fiends or whatever. Speak for yourself. No I, no, I think the point you're making is like, yes, they, the standards have certainly changed as you know, TV and movies and whatever. It is more common. We wouldn't have seen any of this stuff in the, the 1960s or 70s on TV. So, yeah, I, I think that's an, an obvious thing that, you all TV has changed and it's all a bit more salacious or open or at least in dealing with the topics than, than ever before.
1: And and it's probably a good thing because as salacious as Riverdale is, it's never disrespectful right. of the topic. No. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's always, you know, it's a heightened reality. Um, I think we've, we, we've established that. And yet it's sort of made it okay to sort of address these issues by treating them Seriously,
3: while being ridiculous, and and the characters seem to respect each other in that context as well. You know, the the one who broke that respect thing was Chuck, and there were consequences. Yeah, yeah, that's what that episode's about, right, Chuck. Uh, which what I think is amazing about it is, so
1: they're essentially getting revenge on Chuck for. For slut-shaming. Yeah, yeah, they really are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and That's really what's happening. And yeah. that's a good message. I mean, right. their their methods might have left a little to be desired to legally, but, you know.
3: Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I, I guess I probably need to think about this more, but it's for all the salaciousness of it, a lot of it is very sex positive. Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, they don't make fun of the gay guy for being gay.
1: Right. It, They They accept it. They're completely accepting of it. Sophie, you've seen every episode. Is there any episode of Riverdale where someone makes fun of Kevin for being gay, even a bad guy? I don't think there are.
2: I can't remember any off the top of my head, and I don't think there was.
1: Yeah, there's I mean, um, Cheryl is either lesbian or bisexual. One of her many problems is that her very first girlfriend, her mother was horrible too, and there's an episode where once once cheryl falls for another girl on the show they send her to a um to a what do you, what do you
3: call it a, a homosexual realignment camp a gothic insane asylum essentially
1: yeah, <laughs> right to try to try and essentially brainwash her into being straight is that what yeah yeah well, it's yeah, it, yeah. it, it <laughs> like
3: that scene out of the original hairspray where you do right
1: Yeah, but the show very much unambiguously makes the statement that, yes, the Blossoms are doing this because the Blossoms are evil assholes and they're horrible. And there is no it is the most as ambiguous as Cheryl is. There's good points about Cheryl. There are bad points about Cheryl and she can be a bitch, but then she's got a heart. And the same thing is true of Veronica. Even Veronica's dad, who very much becomes a villain on the show, has his good points. Cheryl's
3: mom is evil because she tried to change her sexuality and and for whatever problems the rest of Cheryl's friends have with her, that's not one of them
1: and so that's accepted. it deals with betty's betty's older sister is a unwed teen mom. Yep. It deals with that. Very respectful. Yeah, thought they
0: dealt with the teen pregnancy thing very yeah. you yeah.
1: know. And they, and there's you know, there's later on there's acknowledgement that Betty's mom had also had a child as a teenager and gave it up for her adoption so there's sort of a play of a diff- play off of what the different generations, mm-hmm. how they dealt with it. But it is so oddly, and maybe it gets away with it because of the amount of ridiculous turn the knob up to 11 on the colors and the genre that the show does, maybe because it's so ridiculous at its surface, it can really (laughs) deal with these deeper issues that sort of make it work.
0: I and mean, it's the central message of this show. Everything is crazy, but at least we're allowed to like sex now. Yeah. <laughs> well, not just sex, though.
1: Like there's a, the, there's there's the sex that um, is obviously a big part of it. But I think the fact that it deal with Jughead's homelessness, his problems with his father, the mental illnesses that Betty's family had. Not, they touch
0: on some racial issues. It's not yeah. as overt, but the Josie and the Pussycats thing yeah. is there. Yeah,
1: there's yeah, there's issues of race. There's there's, there's, there's issues of, of drugs and and yep. and it's not. You know, it's not the 1980s drugs are bad, kid. Don't do kids. Don't do drugs. It's, it's not the just say no, Nancy Reagan style thing. Instead, there's a yeah, some kids are doing jingo Django and it can be a problem. You know, you have kids OD and, and it, it, it treats it like a real mm-hmm. thing. Um, there's, you know. The kids drink and because teenagers drink sometimes and they don't pretend like, oh, well, there's kids drinking. So they're right. gone to hell now. They were immediately <laughs> yeah, the all, the right. all bad. Yeah. In yeah. the 80s, in the 80s, they would in the 80s, they would have taken one beer and yeah. they would have been in yeah. a car ride. Yep. Uh, everyone would have
3: died. They would have been episode. scared straight <laughs> <laughs> yep. or they would have died. And, one and, of yeah, the there's other. also that underlying message of you know, that, that mutual support, that, that, the, your friends who become your family is whatever else is going on, no matter how crazy it gets. Your mother just puts you in an insane asylum because you might be gay. Your friends are there. They got your back. You know, there's this this community. Mm-hmm. No matter what differences these people have, and going back to my, my theme with this, this reflects the comics. You know, Archie and, and Reggie can be in a knockdown, drag out fight in one story and in the next story, they're best friends. So you, there's there's always kind of that reset. That core group of people are there for each other.
1: Mm-hmm. And again, only Sophie knows that, but that was never more obvious than last night. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> did you wrap up
3: the show. It's, 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 we, we have teenagers who have a school. It's a school night, Mav. We need to wrap this up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her, her mom actually did make me promise to not keep her up all night. <laughs> you, you, you're welcome for being in there, so. <laughs> <laughs> It's OK. I, you know, I'm also making fun of your mom, because, again, as I said,
3: I've seen your mom drink.
2: So. <laughs> I, I, went, <laughs> I don't think it was quite like Riverdale. Yeah, that
3: wouldn't be your car accident. It was terrible. No, <laughs> no.
1: I, anyway, I, I think the show is interesting. It's, it's really rich. Yeah. And I'm wondering that, um, you know, most of the fans of our show who probably would be more interested if we'd spend an hour talking about Arrow. Probably, yeah, uh, a- Arrow or or um, the Flash. I'm happy to come back and do that. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> let me just say, yeah, you talk about the Salmon Ladder for just five minutes. Yeah.
1: Oh gosh, <laughs> Connie and I have discussed it. That if they had a show that was just Stephen Amell who plays Arrow doing Salmon Ladder for a straight hour. Uh, you know, I'm 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 a heterosexual man, but I, I would watch that. We're he, in. It, ab- that. <laughs> he looks absolutely amazing doing that. And you're like, yeah, okay. That's- from
0: a strictly aesthetic perspective.
1: <laughs> I imagine Archie could could also do it.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh my God, salmon letter off. How do
1: we get this going? Like- <laughs> Somehow there is so much going on there that you know I I, I almost I wonder who who listens to this show has even given it a, a shot because it just looks so ridiculous on paper. And yet magically just works. And
0: it does look good, And well, and it's comics, but it's not superhero comics. And right now we are in an era of massive superhero comicdom. Right.
1: right. It's the only thing. I mean, the biggest movies in the world are all superhero movies. The biggest TV shows are mostly superhero TV shows. And this is just this one. And this is comics for girls. It is happily a soap opera. There might not be superheroes on it. At least not yet. Well,
2: except for Cheryl.
1: Connie and Wayne uh, can plug your ears, but Cheryl's a superhero, guys. It's amazing. <laughs> Everyone should watch the show. And I want to thank our guests, all three of you. Start with Connie, because I know Connie has something to promote that I promised her that I would that I would let her promote, which is something that I think is really cool. So, Connie?
0: Uh, uh, I draw robots, and I put them on Twitter and Instagram. And you can look at my robots at Twitter or Instagram, my Instagram and robot
1: are called <laughs> Robo-Adorable. The word robot and the robot adorable without the T. Connie does portraits of your family as robots because I have cool. one. And, and they are adorable. Watercolor. Yeah, that, yeah, watercolor.
0: Yeah, They're that. watercolor robots seeking and, new families.
1: <laughs> um, and yeah, she's done several. So you should def- definitely follow her on Instagram. Jamie and Sophie, I'd like to thank both yeah. of you guys for being yeah. on as well. Yeah, thanks.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. No problem.
1: It's great to have someone who is at least <laughs> inappropriate to where we don't seem just like old people watching this show that is clearly not targeted as <laughs> um, old people and guys. So I want to thank all yeah. three women for being <laughs> on <out> today. <laughs> it's like cause this show could have been really weird if it was just me and Wayne going. I, I, I think it
0: would have been great. We Actually, are. if you two could talk over that hour of Stephen Amell on the Salmon ladder, I feel like that could work for everybody. <laughs> just,
1: <laughs> so dreamy. So
3: dreamy. Uh, Next week's show, we're going to try to do something a little different. It's going to be our first live show. Yeah, I, I'm going to write something up and post it on the <laughs> blog in the next day or so, just to give you some idea what's going on. But we'll be, there's Three Rivers Con at Century 3 Mall in Pittsburgh. It's a comic book show. And Mav and I are doing a panel where we're kind of talking about the history, the history of comics conventions and how they've changed over time. So,
1: And I'm going to have in the show notes, once again, you can follow Connie's Robots on Instagram at at Robo you can follow our show on Twitter at Vox Popcast. Uh, subscribe to us on Facebook on Facebook.com dot slash Vox Popcast. Watch the uh, watch the blog at Vox dot com. Follow me on Twitter at Chris Maverick and my blog, www.chrismaverick.com.
3: Wayne? Uh, Wayne hyphen wise dot com. have some Instagram and some Twitters, but I really don't.
1: Do a lot there. <laughs> and I want to thank all of our guests once again and thank you all for listening. Thank you to Maximilian of Thoughtform For Music for the overly long theme music that you're listening to right now. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep making a joke like that until he writes us new theme music.
3: He gave us a bunch of he gave us a bunch of themes. Maybe maybe we'll switch it out at some point, and use another one. Yeah,
1: no, I love this one. I love the Latin people fanning the month. Thank you everybody for listening, and Thanks. we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.
3: Yeah, you.
0: You are marching back across the street with me, and we're going to pick up a shitload of Archie books. And I'm going to prove to you beyond the shadow of a doubt that Archie is all about pussy. Come on. You shut up. You're insane. Archie is not fucking Mr. Weatherby. Deny, deny, deny.